Hi there, and welcome to Not a Couple, a Will and Grace podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Tess. This week we're talking about season three, episode 20, an old-fashioned piano party. What's that? What's that laughter about? Um, I just really enjoyed the joke throughout the episode that um, an old-fashioned piano party is a thing that Grace made up. Until... Except then, like, his friend, Will's friend Larry is there, his gay friend Larry. And, and he's, he's so like, into it. He's like, this Grace, is the- I am loving this old-fashioned piano party. <laughs> It was just like, ugh, I have the worst friends. Yeah, so I thought that was that was pretty funny. Well, let's jump right into the episode description, because I think we have a lot to talk about today. Yes, we do. Uh, so this week's episode, Grace's new piano strikes a sour note with Will. Jack's juicy novel in progress turns Karen on. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. This week's episode does heavily feature gay erotica, which yep. is the number one form of erotica. Uh, at least on our cover of our own. I just meant like more of like an... In the abstract, like I didn't even have any data. I just, I mean, obviously, it's. I the just best. mean, like, I feel like most erotica written for fan fiction purposes is, in fact, gay erotica. Mm hmm. Or at least queer in some variety. Mm hmm. So true. I really thought the gay erotica plotline was especially funny because I really was surprised with what they were able to get away with saying. I agree. Like, we had some, we had some, like, moderately raunchy bits in the last couple weeks, but, like, this is, like. Dude. Like,. <laughs> If not, first of all, like, Caroline reads some of it out loud, and it's really, really hot. Yeah. And then, like, at one point, she's reading it, and Grace is talking to her about something else, and they do the thing where, like, one person is not paying attention, but they respond perfectly to the other person. Mm-hmm. Except, in this case, it's Grace is asking Karen's opinion on the whole Will situation, and Karen is literally jizzing in her pants. Yeah. She's like, Yes! Yeah, so she does. She basically does the entire like diner scene from When Harry Met Sally, where she has like a very loud orgasm, mm-hmm. and then like literally at the end, like it's collapsed upon her desk, spent smoking a cigarette, and then Grace is like, "Thanks, Karen, that was great advice." And Karen's like, "Grace, honey, when did you get here?" <laughs> because she was masturbating. I do love the idea of Jack being a primo writer of gay erotica. I mean, if nothing else, the man has the experience. Oh, yeah. I think he's dated enough people that he could really write some good shit. And, like, I, I just love the the way the episode begins with it, too, where he's, like, doing that Jack thing where he, like, pretends like he has been always this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I'm, I'm a famous actor. I'm a classically trained dancer. Now I'm a writer, and I write my pain. Yeah, he literally is like, I'm writing again. Like, yeah. I didn't know you were writing in the first place, Jack, but... I mean, no one is complaining. From what we heard, like... Admittedly, it sounds pretty hot. This is also kind of... I don't want to say prescient, because obviously romance novels have existed for, like, years and years and years. Uh-huh. But, like, gay romance novels are comical here in a way that they are not necessarily today, where, mm-hmm. like, both in, like, a print form and in, like, the internet slash fic, like, gay erotica is pretty prevalent kind of across yeah, the board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like that's, there's definitely a growing market for LGBT romance mm-hmm. and uh, especially erotica that's growing with like the romance novel market. I don't know a whole lot about it, but I feel like that's definitely an area they've been expanding into, especially like since like 2012. Right. We do have to look into the Harlequin label. It oh, seems yes. like someone probably has trademarked that just in case. I'm pretty sure that someone has. That does. <laughs> That's just such an obvious jump. Yes. Harlequin would be so pissed. Yeah. They probably they're probably the ones who have a trademark. Honestly. Yeah, they probably like have like a queer subset called Harlequin. <laughs> um, but yeah, I know. I thought first of all, it sounds like this was really well written erotica, which mm-hmm. is awesome. Good job, Jack. 
I also love how uh, how erotica positive this episode is. Yeah, it were, there was really no shaming of reading the erotica. It was kind of played for laughs that Karen was basically masturbating to it and like was so obsessed that she was willing to pay for it. But, but the, right, but the plot is that Karen is trying to get more erotica. Yeah, she loves it. She and wants I, it. I understand that Karen is a problematic character on the show, and that sometimes she's the villain. But like, mm-hmm. girl's not the villain this week. Girl's mm-hmm. the hero. Yeah, I mean. Admittedly, the fact that not only does she pay Jack's ex off to dump him again, mm-hmm. but she also pays Jack for more story, I think is really great. I and mean, yeah, she's making like a $250 investment in this book. She's, you know, really committed to the arts. <laughs> and I, I'm proud yeah. of her. Um, That's something like that. One thing that I it also kind of reminded me of a little bit was um, a little bit how the fan fiction community works, mm-hmm. uh, especially because it was like a gay story, is one of the things that's pretty typical in the fan fiction community is if you make friends with other authors, you'll write each other porn. And it's like, it's kind of like a joke, but like mm-hmm. that everyone talks about, but it's an open joke. Like people literally do dedicate porn to each other. And see, I never realized that until like you started writing like a fic that had that kind of subtext in it. Mm. Um, like erotica subtext or? I guess not erotica subtext, but like you... You are writing a fic now with, like, a lot of, like, a major fan base. Like, yeah. there's a major community behind it. Whereas, not that you didn't do that before, but like, the context was different. I wasn't as successful when I was writing exclusively Harry Potter fic. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that I'm a bit more of a prevalent fan fiction author, I am occasionally gifted with porn. Which is great. <laughs> like, I have some, I've gotten some really good stories, and it's awesome, and I appreciate them a lot. <laughs> But yeah, so I, I did think that was sort of funny that it hinted at this subculture that I doubt the creators were even aware of. but That, I that may not have even fully existed at this time, which, I mean, I shouldn't say that. Which obviously fully existed, but like, the difference between fan fiction in 2001 and fan fiction in mm-hmm. 2017 is like, leagues and leagues. Right, yeah. I think the access was probably different. But I know for a fact that a lot of fan fiction, especially pre-internet, existed in like fanzines and stuff, like... When you got your Usenets, too. Right, yeah. And I I did a little bit of research about, like, specifically slash fic of, like, Star Trek in the 70s. Of course. Um, So a lot of that stuff was published in, like, fanzines and newsletters and stuff. So I'm sure people have always been writing porn for their friends. Mm -hmm. But now it's just a little bit more easily accessible that Mm -hmm. you can write it and publish it immediately and gift it to them right on their (laughs) AO3 account. Right. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's really all we have to say about that yeah. plot line. We just, we're so happy that Jack is going to be a published erotica author. Yeah. It will probably be forgotten by next week because that's I a mean, classic Jack plot line. It'll probably just be published in that Karen Reddit, but you know what? That's fine. This would be a great way for him to earn some side money, though, if the show was interested in Jack ever having a real job. Yeah, I mean, like, that would be a really hilarious thing if they brought that back in the revival. Like, spoiler, Jack's actually had this really successful career as oh an erotica God. author. That'd be amazing. I would be super into that, so. Okay, we're going to come back to the revival a little bit later today, I yes. think. Uh, but for now, let's talk about the A-plot, which is all yeah. about Will and Grace. You know, the title is the show. What? I know. Is this show about Will and Grace? I thought this was a Difficult People podcast. <laughs> Speaking of, have you guys been watching Difficult People? Do it. It's back. It's back and it's so weird and we love it. <laughs> um, okay, so this week we've got some anxieties happening yeah. with Will and Grace. I'm really impressed with how much Will and Grace packs into this plot line, this yeah, A-plot. they do a really good job. Like, they really... And it doesn't feel rushed or no. overcrowded or anything, which I think is nice. It all kicks off with... Um, one of the show's many Will and Grace archetypes floating in, which is a brand new character who, um, I'm totally blanking on her name. Heidi? Heidi. Her name's Heidi, and basically she's blonde Grace. Yes, she looks exactly like Grace, but she's blonde. And we discovered that she has a Will, and his name mm-hmm. is Charlie. And and her Will moved to San Francisco, and they are not friends. They don't talk anymore. 
Um, and it's it's not exactly clear why this hits Grace so hard. That was mm-hmm. I guess that would be the only flaw I really see with this plotline. Is it just it seems to just catch her on a bad day, and she just totally internalizes it. I mean, it could also be that it kind of hits her immediately following Will telling her that he's planning to take a two week vacation without her. True. So it could just be that like. Because he mentions that he's thinking of taking a scuba diving vacation with Joe and Larry. Mm-hmm. And Grace isn't invited for many reasons, but the number one being that she will scream through an entire 14-hour plane ride, <laughs> which I'm sure Matthew could relate to because I hate flying. Oh my god, I'm so glad when you're asleep on a plane. Because you don't scream in your sleep. <laughs> Unlike some people. Yeah. Um... <laughs> It's, it's a good plot line. I mean, we've done bits and pieces of this before, but I think this is the first time it's been, you know, we're dealing with Will and Grace grappling with the potential temporality of their friendship. Yeah, and I also really like that the the thing that might cause them to break apart is nothing to do with, like, outside external forces or outside forces. Yes. It's, like, entirely Grace's anxiety that they're just going to drift apart. And we've had the other plotline before where there's a boyfriend or a job or something right. that causes them to separate. But just, like, the idea that they might just naturally grow apart as characters is really damaging and threatening to her, I think. Yeah, she's really scared, which I think is totally legit. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't seem to realize how valuable a friendship is until they're suddenly realizing that it could just end. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the things that really springboards Grace's anxiety is when she tells Will, oh, did you know that Charlie moved to San Francisco and he doesn't talk to Heidi anymore? His response is, good for him. And she's like, yeah, but he doesn't talk to Heidi anymore. And he's <laughs> like, well, yeah, but like, I mean, there was nothing really keeping him here. Right. And like, you just can kind of see like the The light. wheels turning. Yeah. yeah like it's like a, a moment where Grace is like, ah, fuck. Yeah. So her solution is an eloquent one in some ways. <laughs> kind of. It's not really. It's it's a weird solution, but I, I got to admire her creativity. Kind of. It's it's strange. Well, I mean, we have we have a throwaway line really briefly about how, you know, her family like because her mom is Debbie Reynolds. Yes. Like they all gathered around the piano and they would, you know, make everything happy and whatever, et cetera, et cetera. So she obviously buys a piano. Yes. And, uh, but actually Will also buys the piano. Well. Somehow. I think this is another hint that they are just totally chill with forging each other's names. Yeah. <laughs> so Will and Grace, quote unquote, uh-huh. buy a piano. And Grace naturally does not tell Will that they have bought a piano. And so he's, like, getting ready to go to scuba lessons, and in comes the piano. (laughs) (laughs) I think the interesting thing about about this episode is that Will isn't opposed to having the piano. No. Like, he's like, okay, whatever, this is fine. Like, I'll learn to play some songs. It'll be fun. Right. But Grace just, because it's not just a piano to Grace, Grace can't just leave it at that. Right. Like, Will is happy to have a piano and learn to play some songs with Grace and maybe have some people over every once in a while. But, like, to Grace, it's like, this is a make-or-break situation. Right. Like, if we've got to be on this piano every night, and we've got to have the fucking parties with the piano, the piano parties. If we are not practicing seven days a week mm-hmm. for at least several hours a night, our friendship is doomed. Yeah. And, I mean, you and I have done that a little bit where, yeah. not, with, not with a piano, thank God. Thank God. Those are so expensive. Yes. Even before you pour, rip your floats all over them. Ugh, oh my God. Oh, I kind of want one of those, though. Me too. But anyways... <laughs> You get in the habit of doing things together as a, as a, I almost said as a couple. Oh but, my God. But as, yeah. as not a couple. We're not a couple. It's <laughs> but, the name of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. But you, you get in the habit of it. And then like, not like you forget that the other person has interests outside of you, but like, 
Then when they express those, you're like, oh, yeah, like, that's really disappointing. Right, no. Maybe they are going to leave me and I will be alone forever. Yeah, and I think that we've definitely each <laughs> had, like, our own variety of those moments where it's not something as simple as, like, well, it's piano playing time, goddammit, mm-hmm. but just, like, little things, like, oh, we we oh, we oh normally watch this together, but you're you're going out with other people, so what am right. I going to do? Oh, you're leaving for the weekend to do a thing, and I'm not coming with. Like, I'm just going to text you the whole time. Right, exactly. <laughs> I, I think much like in this episode with Grace, like a lot of the frustration on our end comes from just not explaining, like, this is important to me. Or like, right. I know this shouldn't be important to me, but I can't help feeling like it's important. Like, I, I'm aware that this is an irrational fear, but nonetheless, I'm having it. Can we, can we handle that? Like, if this episode midway through had featured Grace moving a piano in, and we'll be like, why is there a piano in our living room? And she explained, like, I need us to invest in something because I'm afraid our friendship is fading. Like, I feel like Will would have handled it differently. Yeah, I feel like... Because that's the thing is, it seems like as as she gets increasingly... Me- blah, 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 increasingly more manic about we need to play the piano. Right. Because she's pinned all of her hopes and dreams on the piano. Will is starting to get a little resentful. Like, okay, we played the piano. Can I go out dancing? Can well, I drink I think, a margarita? I think Will legitimately doesn't understand what her thinking is until oh, the very end. I don't think so at all. I think he's literally just like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why Grace is being piano. so weird, but Grace is always weird. You know what I mean? Right. He's just like, I don't know. Grace is like being a little clingy this week. I want a margarita. Yeah. And I... I appreciate that because it's, I relate to that where like the other person in your friendship has this whole thing going on in their head mm-hmm. and they're not sharing it with you. Like, I mean, I've been on both sides of that. Yeah, we both have done that to each other. And it is frustrating to be the person who like doesn't really know what's going on mm-hmm. because I, like on the one hand, you're like, oh, I care about them and they're clearly going through a thing. But on the other hand, you're like, I'm a human person. I just want to go do the thing I wanted to do. Right. And you're also kind of like, you know, like if you're not going to tell me what's going on, I don't want any part of this right. until we can have a conversation about it. Right. It's like, unless until you're ready to talk about it, I'm done. I'm out. I'm not yeah. into it. So it makes a lot of sense. Like Will's reaction did not feel like weird or mm-hmm. overly dramatic or even like mean to me. It just genuinely yeah. seemed like he's like, well, if you're not ready to tell me what the fuck's going on, I'm not going to engage in this. Right. Well, the other thing I really loved about this episode is I feel like this episode is one of the only ones where they've gotten the joke pivot away from a serious moment right. Yes. Because what finally ends up happening is that as mentioned in brief before, like, Will accidentally spills a bunch of root beer floats on the piano. Because Grace is, like, having a panic attack about him trying to leave the party. Right. So then everyone leaves because they're obviously like, okay, something's about to go down. And they're like, we don't know what the fuck this is, but we gotta go. And then Grace just, like, actually tells Will what her, like, worries and frustrations are. Right. And Will's response is just to sit at the piano and play a song. Yeah, he just plays, like, Love Will Keep Us Together. And Grace is, like, at first very, like, frustrated. She's like, look, like, stop making a joke out of this. Like, this mm-hmm. is, I'm having really real fear. But, like, his response is, one, playing the piano, which he knows that she cares about. Mm-hmm. And, two, answering the question. Like, that's the thing is, like, he understands that she's worried because this other couple that was very similar to their situation mm-hmm. stopped talking. Yeah. But he's like, you're important in my life and I love you. And right. that's that's it. That's all I got for you. It's just, we don't have to worry about that. We're well, different. And I think that this works on two different levels as well as that. The one is that, like, Grace is being crazy irrational. Yes. By just, not, like, ignoring that, but, like, pushing through it. Yeah. She kind of realizes that she's being irrational. And yeah. she comes to the piano and she sits down and she sings with him. But I think the other thing, and this is where it, I think it really does the best job of switching from joke to serious and back again, mm-hmm. is that 
Will doesn't really have an answer for her. Yeah. It's possible that they might grow apart and mm-hmm. move to different cities and not be really close friends. Mm-hmm. Please see the, the original series finale for this reason. Right. It, but it's but there's nothing he can do about it now when right. he does care about her. And it's not... I think that's the other thing that Grace really doesn't see. It's not that Heidi and Charlie grew apart because they didn't care about each other. You know right. what I mean? It's like grew apart because of circumstance. Right. And he found a great job and he moved to San Francisco and then they stopped seeing each other so right. often. And that's a pre, it's a pre-Facebook relationship. Mm-hmm. So like... And neither of them seem... I mean, we don't see Charlie, but we see Heidi. And Heidi seems happy. Yeah. She doesn't seem all that bothered by it. So. Yeah. I mean, like, it's... It's sad from an outside perspective, but I mean, like, they probably both have very fulfilling lives. Yeah. I mean, Charlie lives in San Francisco, so he's broke. I mean, but she lives in New York, so she's broke. I mean, like, it kind of evens out. They're probably just broke and happy. It's fine. <laughs> but yeah, I just mean, it's clearly not because they didn't care about each other, but it also suggests that they probably just didn't have the same kind of relationship as Will and Grace, who would mm-hmm. make a, a cross-country move work for them. Mm-hmm. Or wouldn't, and that would be fine. You right. know, sad, but fine. Right. Like, they'd, they'd figure it out. So... I guess the only other thing we had left to talk about, and we, we kind of alluded that we were going to come back to this, is talking about the revival. Yeah. So um, as it approaches and thinking about it in relation to the episodes we're watching now. Yeah. So one of the things that we kind of chatted about a little bit briefly off mic before we recorded it is that this whole threat of Will and Grace possibly, like, drifting apart is, like, one of the highest stakes in the show that they kind of deal with throughout mm-hmm. Is there is this anxiety that what are they going to do if they aren't as close? Right. And and if they find romantic partners and if they get married and they have kids. Exactly. And so with the with the revival bringing bringing the show back but taking out the partners and the children, it, we're wondering how that's going to like impact that mm-hmm. relationship. I guess my read of it has been like reading all the press about this is that they really just want. A show where Will and Grace and Jack and Karen are friends who live in New York. Mm-hmm. And that's great. I mean, this show is super fun. Like, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed getting to appreciate it over the last, uh, however long we've been recording this, year and a half maybe? Year and a half. Three seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but from a dramatic standpoint, it takes a lot of the stakes out of this show. Yeah. I mean, this episode is a perfect example of one of the biggest dramatic conflicts that this show has, which mm-hmm. is that... Which is that Will and Grace are not a couple, and they want to be a part of a couple, mm-hmm. and that jeopardizes their friendship. Yeah. But the premise of this show is that they are not in a couple, mm-hmm. still, and they are still friends, and they are still kind of, like, looking for love in New York City, yeah. you know, whatever. But, like... But now they're in their 40s. But, but now they're in their 40s. And we have... Not only are they in their 40s, but the creators have deliberately rejected a conclusion that ends with them married and having children. Yeah. At least for now. So, I mean... Unless they're just going to do the same thing again, where they keep dating a bunch of people who they're never going to ultimately be with, and then they get married off again in the finale, mm-hmm. whatever that is. Right. I, I feel like we've just completely taken out this possibility at all. Like, there's no possibility that there could be a long-term partner introduced in this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is, it's it's interesting, because on the one hand, the world is so fucked that I could really enjoy just a gay romp with Will and Grace. Mm-hmm. Like... But on the other hand, some of the things I like best about the show are the ways they do demonstrate, like, the emotional depth of Mm -hmm. their relationship and how they are willing to sometimes risk, like, not finding a romantic partner in favor of, like, being with each other. Mm -hmm. And so, like, maybe if the show is taking that takeaway where, like, perhaps this is the universe where they don't pick their prospective partners Mm -hmm. and instead pick each other. Right. 
like maybe that would be interesting to explore those consequences now that they're in their 40s versus their late 30s. Right. But I just I feel like if if the whole show is predicated on the premise of them not them being perfect together and not being perfect with other people or or whatever you want to take away from it. Mm-hmm. I just I feel like any plot that brings this up again is going to feel forced or fake. Like, if we get an episode like this, I'm not going to believe it. Right, because we've already seen it, and then we've seen that they had nothing to worry about, clearly. Right, and and the show is built on the premise that they have nothing to worry about. So I'm, I'm struggling, as a viewer who hasn't seen enough of the show, but has seen a lot of it, to understand what they're going for. Mm-hmm. I, I totally sympathize with them not wanting to do, like, Will and Grace's parents. Yeah. But I... I struggle to see how they're going to make that part of it work. Mm-hmm. Or if they're just going to get rid of it altogether and it's just going to be comedy with very little drama. Yeah, you know? which could be. And you know what? That's that's not necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It just, it'll be interesting to see. We just don't know. Yeah. So I guess let's see how it turns out. Revival thoughts. We should have like a revival corner like <laughs> section or something. Like These are all of our thoughts going into the revival that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. <laughs> Countdown to the revival. <laughs> It's like a month away. It's a, yeah, it's a little more than a month away, which is kind of crazy, actually. But that's we'll save that for a different episode, I think. <laughs> all right, everybody. I think that's all we have for this week. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, Tess, do you want to tell people where they can find us on the internet? Yes, I can. Um, so the main place that you can find us is our Twitter page. We are at Not A Couple Show. Um, we like to send out tweets and replies, and we're pretty active on Twitter. So if you want to bug us there, please do. Uh, we also have an email address if you want to send us a direct question, which is notacouplepodcast at gmail.com. And we have a Facebook page, and we post our show notes on Medium, and the podcast is on iTunes and Podbean. So we're all over the internet. Oh, and we have a Tumblr. Did I mention the Tumblr? <laughs> We've got a Tumblr. It's notacouplepodcast.tumblr.com. Great. Well, thanks so much for listening to us, everybody. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back next week as we continue to work our way through Season 3. Yep. We're getting towards the end of that one. Yeah. We'll have to see what we do when we get to the finale. Cry. <laughs> Probably cry. Probably cry. All right, everybody. Thanks again. And once again, I'm Matthew. I'm Tess. And this has been Not a Couple. Bye-bye. This episode of Not a Couple was recorded in front of a live studio audience of one cat. Yeah. Hey, Liza. Thanks for listening. This episode was sponsored by the latest Harlequin romance, To Weep. Willow. The latest story by Jack Just. <laughs>